Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Rufus Smith. NBA. I'm enthralled with the NBA. And by the way, how about them Grizzlies, huh? But the NBA that I'm speaking about today is not the National Basketball Association as much as I like the NBA. The NBA that I'm talking about applies to every single person listening to me in person or online. 30 years ago, in my own life, I made a vow to God that I would do my best to strive for NBA. And if he allowed me as a person to pastor a congregation, then I would do my best to help them strive for NBA too. NBA for me is new birth, advancement. Every single person is called upon to advance in the new birth. 2 Peter 3.18, but growing grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I want to focus on today, the new birth advancement and how we can grow in the spiritual life. And we need to do so Because if we don't, we would not be able to handle the issues of life. The outside pressures of life will become the inside stress of the soul if we are not advancing in the new birth. So I need to grow two ways, in grace and in knowledge. If I just grow in grace, that is receiving the unmerited favor of God and distributing unmerited favor to others, then I'll be permissive. If I only grow in knowledge and truth, then I will be rigid. God wants us to have a balance, but grow, he says, in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's our task here today. If you've been in church for any length of time, you have heard this word saved. It's a very churchy word, but it is a very poignant word in the Bible. The Greek word is sozo, S-O-Z-O is the root, and to be saved is a salvation term. It essentially means three things. One, to be rescued. Two, to breathe. And three, to expand like a rubber band that I have on my hand. God wants us to be rescued, to breathe, and to expand. This rubber band can encompass my hand, but it has the ability to do much more than just my hand. It can expand. I want to focus on that word today for salvation. That is, I've been rescued or delivered 
from an eternity without God. That's in the past. But I am being saved, rescued, delivered, or expanded in the present from habits, from philosophies, from destructive decisions. And then one day I will be saved, that is be rescued from the very presence of sin and sorrow when we get to heaven. So salvation is an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process. So I want to talk a little bit about that idea. When we are saved to have salvation, we can breathe again. That is, it would be as if we were burdened by sin and shame and guilt and salvation lifts that sin and burden and guilt so that we can breathe again. It's a freedom. But then it's also expansion. God wants us to look beyond what we can see on earth. In the spiritual life, there's an invisible order of reality. And it is as visible and as real as the wind. How many of you can see the wind? Can't see it, but is it real? Very real. Well, in the invisible order of life, the spiritual life is the same word for wind, pneumatikos. It is wind. It is very real. As real as what I can see is the invisible. God wants to expand my eyesight and my insight into the spiritual realm because he knows I'll need it while here on earth. So let me say these three things, or four or five, and I'll take my seat. Number one, salvation is personal. Salvation is personal. To be rescued is personal. To be delivered or to breathe freedom is personal. To be expanded by God is personal. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 9. He says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be rescued, delivered, expanded, breathing freedom, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is all, is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, expanded. <clears throat> how then shall they call upon him that they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Not just me as a preacher, but anybody who is presenting the gospel to another person is a preacher, as a carrier, is a heralder of God's word. You did not come into the kingdom without first hearing, and neither will anybody else. And so salvation is personal. It is personal. But in addition to that, there are four stages that we all go through in life as far as the spiritual is concerned. First is the pre-salvation stage. That's before we met Christ, surrendered to his lordship. Second is the salvation stage. The third one 
is the post-salvation stage. And the fifth one is, or fourth one, is eternity. Those are the four stages, very important to our life on earth and then in eternity. Now, here's what I want to focus on. Not the pre-salvation stage, though some of you who are looking and listening to me may be there. At that stage, I have not surrendered to Christ as my Lord and Savior. But you can do that, as the text says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be rescued, delivered, expanded, breathe a new type of freedom. It's personal. But then there is salvation. At some point, I become God conscious. And at some point, I become Christ conscious. And at some point, I become conscious of my need that life is too big to handle by myself. And I cry out to God that I need you and you surrender to his lordship. That's the salvation stage. But the one I want to focus on, the one I have an asterisk by, is the post-salvation stage because at that stage is when we really advance. And I need to advance because if I don't advance, then I'm not going to be able to handle the issues of life. The outside pressures will become inside stresses of the soul, and they can overwhelm me if I'm not advancing. So salvation is personal. And then secondly, salvation is communal. Salvation is communal. That is, you cannot, I cannot live life as a Jesus follower by myself. If I'm going to be God's best, then I need other people. I have to become interdependent on other people as well. In Acts chapter 16, let me set up the story. Paul and Silas and Timothy have been preaching the gospel and they were told not to do so. They were now arrested and persecuted, Paul and Silas in particular. They were beaten and then they were put in the dungeon in a Roman jail and they were hung in stocks, the Bible says, in a painful position, and that's where they were left in order to break their body, to break their spirit, so that they would not disobey the command to preach the gospel. And there they were hanging in stocks, and there they were in the dungeon in pain, and the Bible says that the jailers and the other prisoners who were also in the same predicament heard them singing and praising God. Mm. Now, they had never heard that before. The other prisoners, obviously, when they were in pain, they were grumbling, mumbling, complaining, screeching. They were hurting. It's natural. But Paul and Silas turned that into singing and praising God. The jailer, who was very experienced, heard it. The other people in jail heard it. And as they were singing and praying and praising to God, suddenly there was an earthquake. Their chains were broken. The doors of the prison flung open, and Paul and Silas did not run. In fact, they kept the others from running as well. Or when the jailer saw that their chains were broken and the doors were open, he thought all the prisoners were going to escape, and he started to commit suicide. Paul hollered out, do thyself no harm. We are all here. 
because that would be the sentence. If a jailer lost a prisoner, then they would be executed, and so they often committed suicide themselves. The jailer was so impressed. We pick up our text. He said to them, he then turned to them and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be? I want what you have that can cause you to sing and pray and praise God in the midst of all this suffering. I want to be saved, rescued, delivered, expanded like that. And they replied, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your salvation is communal. It's not just personal. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others that were in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately he and all his household were baptized. Salvation is communal. It impacts the entire house. If there is one Jesus follower in a household, that address is not the same. God doesn't see that address as the same because there is one Jesus follower in the house. It's not just personal, it's communal. And when this man was baptized, then he was baptized into a larger body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ, so that now he was a part of not only his household, but the entire household of faith, because baptism makes you a part of the entire household of faith. It's communal. You cannot live by yourself. And if you're struggling today, it may be because salvation is personal, but it is not communal for you. And God has wonderful blessings when it is not just personal, but also communal. And then lastly, salvation is continual. Salvation is continual. All right, everything I've said up to this point was free. It didn't count. I've been talking just to get to this one point. Salvation is continual. And there are three levels of salvation, why it's continual. First is the level of spiritual infancy or spiritual babe. I mean, the Bible follows our spiritual progress like biological progress. So the Bible speaks of spiritual babes or spiritual infants. Then it speaks of spiritual childhood. That's a little older, spiritual childhood. And then lastly, it speaks of spiritual adulthood. And in adulthood, there are two realms, early adulthood and mature adulthood. Well, y'all allow me to teach you just a little bit before I sit down. So you have spiritual infancy, spiritual childhood, spiritual adulthood, and then two under spiritual adulthood would be early adulthood and mature adulthood. How many of you in your early adulthood were different than in your mature adulthood? Mm-hmm. And so it is in the spiritual realm as well. And that's where we need to be progressing. Here's what 1 Timothy 4 says. Pay close attention, Timothy, to yourself and the teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Timothy is already saved, rescued, and delivered, right? 
But what Paul is saying to him, as you persevere in these teaching, persevere in these teaching, you will continually save yourself from habits, philosophies, and destructive behaviors, Timothy, and those who hear you will do the same. It's continual. Hebrews 5 says this, but although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the very first principles of God's word all over again. You need what? Milk, not solid food. Anyone who has to drink milk is still a baby without experience in applying the word about righteousness. But solid food is for the who? Mature, for those whose faculties have been trained by continuous exercise, trained by continuous exercise to distinguish good from evil. So there is a progression. Salvation is continual. And let me just give you these characteristics of each one of these, and then I'll try to take my seat. One spiritual infancy is milk. That is, learning the principles of God's Word. I hope they're on the board because I asked them to put up there for you. Are they? Learning the principles of God's Word from a pastor and not just personal reading. Listen, some people believe that they can advance in the spiritual life at the pace they need to with just personal reading and devotion. You cannot do that. You need to be under the authority of a church, a community, and have other teachers teach you. How many of you learn the ABCs by yourself? No, somebody taught you. How many of you learn one, two, three, and how to do math by yourself? No, somebody taught you. So being a spiritual infant means that I am learning God's Word from a pastor, from other leaders, and not just my own personal readings are devotions. I'm learning these promises of God. Well, I'm also in spiritual infancy suffering from poor choices because I don't know. And obviously, I make poor choices and I suffer those consequences. Thirdly, I'm sporadic when it comes to the intake of God's Word. I'm not taking it in on a regular basis in my pre-salvation stage, maybe even in my salvation stage. And as a result of that, I'm sporadic when I take in the Word of God. And when I'm sporadic, I enjoy minimum peace, minimum power, that's the ability to get things done, minimal purpose for living as provided by the Holy Spirit. I'm not doing all that He wants me to do or experiencing all that He wants me to be. Now listen, there is nothing wrong with being a spiritual infant. All of us have been there. You can be 40 years old and still be a spiritual infant when you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But if you are in the faith and have experienced salvation and are not post-salvation advancing and you've been a spiritual infant for 20 years, I say get worried because something is wrong. Because you've been experiencing minimum peace, minimum power, and minimum purpose for living. God wants to expand you. He has much more in mind for you than that. And then that spiritual childhood. I'm growing up a little bit. That's less milk and a little meat. And sadly, this is where most of us spend our lives on earth. Less milk, so I'm learning the promises of God. But I'm also learning to lean on God's Word from a pastor and not just my personal reading, especially in a crisis. 
And that's progress. You can't beat me crying to God when I'm going through crisis. None of you. And God sends those crises to shake us and wake us so that we can not just learn his promises, but learn to lean on his promises to grow us up in the childhood. There's less suffering because of poor choices because I'm learning his word and leaning on his word. Less sporadic, but still inconsistent intake of God's word. It's a little bit more of intake, although it is not as consistent. But when I am learning and leaning with less milk and more meat, then I have moderate peace. And I have moderate power to get things done beyond my ability. And moderate purpose I'm experiencing provided by God the Holy Spirit. But here's the clue. Many of us do that while living safely. We're not taking any spiritual risks. We're staying in our comfort zone. And unfortunately, many stay right there. So spiritual childhood is important, and I'm moving, and I am learning God's promises, leaning on his word, and experiencing some degree, moderately, of his peace, his power, his purpose, but he wants to expand me beyond that. Because I don't know about you, but there are some problems in life where I cannot survive with minimum nothing. I need maximum. And God says, it's available to you, Rufus, if you keep on advancing. And lastly, spiritual adulthood, that's meat and vegetables. Where I am no longer on the basic principles of God's word, milk, but I am ready for solid food that is meat. So I'm not just learning or leaning, but I'm living consistently on God's word as taught by a pastor or the teachers and not just my own personal devotions. Do you see where we're going here? And then I'm choosing between good and best, not just good and evil, because once you reach spiritual adulthood, you are not really tempted by a whole lot that's right and wrong. Now, there is some temptation, and unfortunately, those in spiritual adulthood do fall to right and wrong choices, but for the most part, it's between good and best because I'm no longer confused by what's right and what's wrong when you get more mature. I remember my favorite uh, youngest and oldest daughter. They had several offers to college and they were praying for God's will and they said, Dad, I just wish God would close every door and just say, this is the one I want you to go to. I said, no, as you mature, he gives you choices. And you can't make a right or wrong decision. You can make a good and better decision. So you've got to seek him and stand on your own two spiritual feet. I can't do it for you. Mama can't do it for you. So when we come to adulthood, early and mature, we're choosing between good and best, not just right and wrong. Minimum suffering because of poor choices. Now, I, I will suffer, and I'll suffer for other things, but not primarily because of my poor choices. And oh, I will enjoy maximum peace, maximum power, the ability to get things done outside of myself, and maximum purpose for living as I learn to serve God. 
But here's the one I want to close on, almost close on. I learned to turn suffering to blessing. When you can't do that if you are not advancing in the faith. But when you're advancing in the faith to spiritual adulthood, learning God's promises, leaning on God's promises, but living consistently in God's word, then you will learn to turn suffering into blessing. I close with this. For real. Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply some of your needs most of your need, almost all of your need, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful verse? But every person does not experience it the same. If you're in spiritual infancy, it's a wonderful verse to learn that promise of God and my God will supply all your need. But if you project, uh, progress to spiritual childhood, you will experience even more of that. And when you get to spiritual adulthood, you are not only learning and leaning on it, you are living it constantly. And here is what we miss. Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, this all has to do with your investment in the kingdom. It has to do with money. Money is such a God to us. He says you got to learn to release it and invest it in the kingdom. And when you do that and you invest in God's kingdom, you take care of his business, God will take care of your business and you can claim fully this promise. And my God shall supply, not some, not almost, it, but he will supply all your need. And here is the wonderful thing about God as I advance into spiritual maturity. All my need is not just financial. Do you know I have some needs beyond financial? God says, Rufus, if you invest in my business, I will take care of your business, your financial business, your relational business, your emotional business, your professional business. I will supply all your needs. I don't know about you, but I not only need to learn that verse and lean on that verse, I live in that verse because I need him to supply, not some, not almost, but all of my need. And it goes way beyond money. But if you keep your hand open, God will keep it full. If you close that hand, you'll have what you have but nothing else will come in. But I dare you to keep it open. Paul says, and you will experience the promise that my God, no matter what you're going through, he will supply all of your needs and you will learn to turn suffering into blessing. So I don't want you to stay in infancy or even childhood. I want you to NBA. What does that mean? If y'all hadn't got it right, I'd preach the sermon all over again. <laughs> Let's pray together. Oh, gracious God, our Father, would you help us to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? We truly don't want the outside pressures of life to become the inside stress of the soul. So help us to evaluate where we are. There's no shame in being a spiritual infant as long as we don't stay there. 
There's no shame in being a spiritual child or in childhood as long as we don't stay there. Help us to advance to spiritual adulthood, early adulthood, mature adulthood, so that we're learning your principles, leaning on your principles, living them as consistently as we can in a broken world, and experiencing maximum peace and power, the ability to get things done outside of our own strength and purpose for living as motivated by your Holy Spirit. And teach us to grasp fully the principle as we advance in the faith that my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you for your word and your spirit and for expanding us to levels we could never do on our own. In your name we pray and praise you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openheisen, Musical Worship Director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit the Hope Church Memphis YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.